Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. Today we are at the end of our parenting series, for now at least. This is part three, and today I have with me my special guest, my wife, my friend, my partner in crime, Sarah Morgan. Sarah, thanks for joining us again. This is your second time on the podcast. Yeah, this time it's going to be something totally different. So we're sitting here at the house. We have chickens in the background, so if you hear (laughs) squawking... Don't mind that. (laughs) So, you know, one of the big things that I want to qualify, I've been doing it for the last two weeks. I just want to make sure that we preface it again if you're just tuning in on this series. We are not the experts, okay? But we are simply communicating what the experts are saying and things that we've learned that's been really helpful, okay? So, we are parents of one amazing daughter, six years old at the time of this recording. Her name is Madison. And so, we are not parents of multiple children. We don't have any boys. And so, we understand there's complaints complexities, differences, personality differences across the board. But today we're going to be talking specifically about the theme of parenting with a purpose. And Sarah and I were listening to a podcast by Andy Stanley and his wife actually talking about choosing their methods of disciplining that were related to the vision of their desire for parenting. And both of us sat there, we were like, wow, that is so helpful, would you say? Yeah, I remember, I think we were driving to uh, New Mexico on spring break and just killing some time listening to it. And I think it also made us realize some of the stuff we had been doing maybe isn't the best strategy that we need to kind of change some of our tactics. Like give the audience some examples of what we were doing that probably wasn't, not necessarily bad, but wasn't the most helpful. Yeah, so I think one of the things that we were doing was we kind of got in this pattern of like anytime Madison did something bad, we're like, oh, there's going to be a consequence for that. And then we decided to let her choose what the consequence was. Like, all right, well, you know, some of the common things were like, you could have sugar taken away. You could have, you know, your screen time taken away. You could have your bunny. She has a little bunny. He's a therapy bunny. He's amazing named Poncho who lives in her room. And, you know, sometimes we'd take Poncho away. Like you can't hold Poncho the rest of the day. But we were letting her choose and she's, you know, picking like, something that doesn't really matter to her. And it was like, wait a minute, I don't really think that's working. And then this idea of like parenting with a vision of really like wanting your kids to hang out with you and desire to be with you even when they don't have to when they're older. Like when they're grown, they still want to come back and hang out. Like it's relationship oriented. Okay, let's say that one more time because that's the focus of this podcast. What's the vision of the whole purpose of parenting for us? Yeah, we want it to be about relationship, that Madison actually enjoys being in relationship with us. It doesn't mean we give her free reign to do whatever she wants, but when she's grown, like she's in college, she's an adult, it's actually enjoyable for her to spend time with us. And vice versa. For, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for us to want to hang out with our kids, right? So what a great purpose of thinking about, man, we want to parent in such a way that even when they don't have to, they want to hang out with us and we want to hang out with them. And so as a relationship perspective, we were thinking, okay, how are the methods and consequences in the training year since our daughter's six years old at the time of this podcast? What are some of the things that we can do to help restore relationship and bring relationship? Because what we were doing, taking away your iPad, taking away sugar, again, none of those things are necessarily bad, but we were basically saying, do the time 
she does the time and our daughter is very good at just like, here, I'll just do the time. But at the end of the doing the time, relationally speaking, we were no more close together than we were before she actually committed the crime, right? I mean, it was just like still the same for her. So she was like, great, I did my time and I move on. And what happens? Like a day later, she does the same thing again? Yeah, and there's not really, you know, well, I think what when we were listening to this, for me, I was observing patterns. Like I'm a person who observes patterns and it's like, she's not really understanding the deeper aspect of what we're trying to teach her and she has high emotional intelligence even as a kid like she really gets stuff but it was like this isn't really bringing the desired outcome especially when it comes to this vision it's just like oh I get in trouble for this and then I'll pick a consequence and move on and it's not like oh I'm gonna think about oh I need to be honoring and respectful and think about how my words and actions impact others it's so powerful. You know, there's a big difference we're learning as parents between the difference of parenting from your values as opposed to from your rules. And we've actually been throwing away the rules and adding the values. And our value is just really like honor. And so that's a huge word. And there's a lot of different examples that we are modeling to our child of what it means to honor, not only through our words, but most importantly, as parents, through our actions, because so much of parenting is caught more than it is taught, right? And, and we're always 100% perfect in that. <laughs> Uh, if you can't hear the facetiousness in your voice, you need to pick that up right there. We are on a journey like crazy and I yell at my kid and I do things wrong on a regular basis. Sarah's perfect, but I'm not. <laughs> I react rather than respond. But we're really learning that like when you have more rules, rules number one are just made to be broken, right? And at the end of the day, it's like you have more rules and your kids, especially when they get into the coaching years, you know, the 13 to 18, they find loopholes, <laughs> to rules. You said eight, not 8 PM <laughs> when I was supposed to be home, right? Like there's all these differences, you know, within rules that don't really help. So as a result, we're just really focusing on a value. And as a result of that value, there's a natural consequence in a good way of your kid actually doing what you want them to do, which is actually be, you know, a wonderful human being <laughs> that is in relationship with others and with ourselves. And it's pretty amazing. So talk to us a little bit about an example that we just recently had on our spring break trip when it comes to matching, you know, our methods with our vision of wanting Madison to be in relationship with us. So are you talking about the letter? Yeah, the okay. letter. So yeah, we got back from spring break. We were at the house and, you know, Maddie was kind of just having one of those days where she wasn't listening well. You know, she was just kind of doing her own thing, being disrespectful and dishonoring. So I told her at one point she wasn't allowed to pick up Poncho to play with him anymore. And so she went and picked up Poncho and I asked her, like, did you hear me that I said not to pick up your bunny? And she's like, yeah. And I, I told her she had to put him back down. And then what was the other thing she did? I'm totally blanking. Well, then the other thing she did did was that night she didn't want to eat some of her vegetables oh yes so we're at the dinner table and uh, I told her because you know she's like oh can I have dessert she always gets excited about dessert and I was like well you have to eat your food I don't remember what we were having like fish and some veggies and something so she's like oh I have to go to the bathroom while we're finishing up dinner so she runs upstairs and she's just kind of up in her bathroom for a while like you know I'm looking at Matt like what is she doing and I looked at him and I go I bet she spit her food in the toilet or in the garbage. So Matt walks up there and he's like, Madison, did you spit your food out? And she's like, no. 
no, I, I didn't, you know, totally denies it. So then we start confronting her on the fact, like, are you telling the truth or are you telling a lie to us? And she was so upset about it and in denial about it and starts crying and crying. Well, eventually she admits after, what, 20, 30 minutes of, you know, like, there's no way I'm going to tell you this, that she did. She spit it in well, the garbage. first she said... I accidentally <laughs> spit it in the garbage. She had a defense. <laughs> she had a defense. And then it was like, okay, I actually did this. But we said, okay, rather than just giving her... Like no sugar. We yeah, were like, oh, no sugar tonight. Yeah. It was like, no, no, no. How do we actually make the consequence restore relationship? And so we made Madison write an apology letter to Sarah for the bunny and for the vegetables for lying in, in particular. And I remember she was like not having it. Number one, because she doesn't really like to write. <laughs> Still, She's got terrible handwriting like me. <laughs> and number two, like she is, uh, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the parenting and the Enneagram. She's a very aggressive stance child. She's a strong-willed individual. And so she was not having it. And so we made her write an apology letter. And I'll never forget you guys what I looked at. She gave me the letter back and it's said, number one, Poncho's my bunny and I can do with him what I want. Number two, I did the vegetables because I didn't want to eat it. And I said, Madison, this is a defense letter, not an apology letter. <laughs> you have to do it again. She flips her lid. And then we said, and also you're going to take your money that you make from the chickens from selling eggs. And we're going to go buy mommy some flowers with your money. And then we're going to go and give her the flowers and the letter. And we're going to ask. The apology letter, not the defense letter. Yes, the apology letter so she has to rewrite the apology letter Madison and I go to the store we pick up flowers for mom we come home with her own money that she spent and gives you know the flowers and the apology letter and it was so incredible though like that whole process took like an hour well it's really painful for her in a way that it's not like we're about her suffering but it actually made her think about restoring the relationship and she had to go through the painstaking process of actually thinking about what she did and how that impacted me and our relationship because she lied and she did something that I had asked her not to do. Yeah. And when it comes to just that value of honor, we just tell her, hey, when you are dishonest and you are lying, that hurts the relationship. And so do you understand that? And we can't then trust you. And trust is the currency of relationship. And so it was so amazing to be able to now match the consequence to the ultimate desire of, oh yeah, we want to have restoration, relational restitution, if you will. And so again, we are so far from perfect on this, you guys, but that was one example that was like, oh my god. That's gosh. when we did it right. <laughs> That's when we did it right. We got so many more when we did it wrong. But you know, one of the big things the parents often ask is like, hey, how do I match the consequence to fit the crime? And that's not always easy to do. And so one of the things that was really helpful for us to learn was don't feel pressure to have to come up with the consequence right away. Take the time. In fact, the time, especially the older the child is, you know, they're 14 years old and you take the time and be like, I'm just so shocked you did this. Like, we just need to process this. That in and of itself, that time that you need both allows them to feel the pressure and for you to actually come up with the consequences that match as well. That's and a little it, creative, maybe. And it takes a little creative activity, which takes more work on our part as parents, but it's a huge game changer. Tell the story about Madison when she swore and us even trying to have to react, you know, versus respond. Yeah. So let's see. 
I think she was about four and a half, four, four and a half years old. So we're moved into our new house that we're in now. And she's up in a room playing with her baby doll. And I think I'm up in the hallway. I don't remember what I was doing. But anyway, she's in her room. And then she comes kind of like stomping out of the room, slams the door. And like she's dropping her baby off to go to daycare. I don't know, go to bed or something. And she comes in the hallway and she goes, I'm so fucking mad. And here I am, like this little tiny being saying this phrase that we don't say in our home. Like it's not language she hears from us. And my immediate reaction was to start laughing. (laughs) So I turn, I have to turn away because I'm like, oh my gosh, one that was so funny and like almost cute, but like so wrong. And she was clearly copying something she had heard because she had the tone and pitch perfect. Like her delivery was amazing. So I kind of like get myself to quiet down and I sit her down on the stairs and I'm like, hey, Madison, you know, that phrase that you just said. And she goes, I'm so fucking mad. (laughs) So here I am, like, I start laughing a little bit again, but I recover quickly. And I said, yeah, baby, I said, those are words that we call swear words. And those words are really dishonoring. I said, they can really hurt other people and they're really dishonoring to God. So those are words we don't use as Morgans. And that's just a family thing that we talk about. A lot of things we do in honor and dishonor that, you know, we might see dishonor outside of our home or other people say things differently than we do, but we want to live under that code of honor. And it was really cool because it was like, she didn't mean it in a bad way. And I saw that in her heart, like she didn't do it that way. This was a time I did it right. There's another time she ripped a page of her book and I thought she did it on purpose and she didn't and I didn't respond well. That's another example of not doing it correctly. So again, I'm not perfect, but it was just this really cool thing of like, oh, some of these words I might hear out in the world aren't things I want to say. And there was no real consequence to it. It was just a conversation we had because I could tell she didn't really understand it. What I love is it was the method of reacting versus responding. And this is not easy as parents at all. And I am so guilty of reacting, specifically in anger. And so it's my three on the Enneagram being impatient, wanting efficiency, and kids are just slow. And so I can react in an unhealthy way. But what's so powerful, especially, you know, in all ages, but middle school, high school age, oh my gosh, you know, it's like you're listening to your kid. And if they can be honest and vulnerable with you, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And you're the one who lit the last match. And then that happened, you know, and then everything went up and flames like if you can just be calm like the big lesson is these words don't freak out (laughs) those words resonate with me so much as your kid is telling you something that is clearly wrong or is outside of the values that you have as parents and yet to not freak out that is the mantra in order to help you respond and just be calm so that in the future your kids will actually continue to tell you things because if you do freak out and you do respond you lose the opportunity to continue to be in their story yeah It's not safe for them anymore. Absolutely. Now, on the flip side, when they do something that like, let's say they come home at 8 a.m. instead of 8 p.m. because you said 8, not 8 p.m. and there is the loophole there or they come home way past curfew or whatever, it is a moment to almost be in shock. Not like, what in the world are you doing? But like, I just had no idea that you would even do that. We didn't even consider that you would ever break trust with us. That is something that actually helps children in that way realize like, oh my gosh, like they really trusted me. 
Yeah, they were believing the best in me. Yeah, they were really believing the best. And so we don't even have a consequence yet. We're going to need to think about that and then connect the consequence to match the crime for the purpose of restoring relationship. And so out of anything, if you hear that, that's the goal of this podcast, to match your methods with your vision. And that is one of the most incredible things. And so ours was restoring the relationship and having that even when our kid grows up and doesn't need to be in a relationship, still wants to. So with that, any other last words that you would say as we close out? Yeah, I mean, I just think maybe we're on the right track because I was putting Madison to bed the other night. This is just a funny story. And I was like, you know, Maddie, are you going to you know, get your own house someday when you grow up? And she's like, I don't know. I think when I grow up, I still want to live with you guys. <laughs> So that's for us to navigate down the road. But anyways, no, I think we have great trust with her. Obviously, we don't do it perfectly. There are times we react. But the other thing I would say about that, too, is like, hey, I think a lot of us parents sometimes are doing that, right? We're stressed, we're tired, like we don't pause before we react. But the other thing is just asking for forgiveness and being honest with our kids when we mess up, because that's just a fact of life that nobody does it perfect. And for them to see parents that are willing to humble themselves and tell their kids when they're wrong is a great way to model those exact things that we're talking about. So I do that regularly. Like I've had to do that recently with Madison for a few situations that I just responded to that weren't right. That is so well said. Well, you guys, there you have it. A couple of parenting tips from some amateurs. <laughs> we love you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.